When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is an ENN special report. Now reporting. Baby bottle pop. ENN's at six. When the clock struck six, it meant one thing. Baby bottle pop. Now, from the ESPN New York News Desk, here's Anthony. Anthony. Let's go to Anthony. Anthony. Ah, yes. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the introduction. And hello, everybody. Let's start there. And welcome to ENN. Ray Row. Just on Ray Row. On Tiwi. No, Michael, not on Tiwi. And also... No, Michael K. You're not here either. So I'd like to start off by saying good evening to Dan. If my bladder is going to explode, BB Rex is not going to be there to save me. No, it's true. Did you think that one was ever going to come back, Dan? I was almost hoping that one came back because yeah. I was trying to remember who the artist in question was, but now I was reminded. BB Rexa. And then we have this one from Greg last night. Who the hell is Snoop Connor? Not, not only, not only what what made that great. There's more than one asked, thing. No, well, he asked it to Ethan Greenberg, the Jets' intrepid team reporter, as if he's supposed to know the answer to that question. But by the way, Ethan did a yeah. great job. Always oh, great the job. best. Always does a tremendous job with yeah. us. Um, one more shout out, by the way. Shout out to Tom Bauer, who um, is more awake than both of us combined, Dan. So we have to give him credit because he's keeping the ship afloat here today. Because without Tom him, Bell who knows? One of the greats. We might still be on the first segment if yes. it wasn't for Tom. So thank he you, runs Tom. A tight ship. Great job, Tom. Oh, thank you for the kind words, boys. Always. So this is going to be a little different, Dan. Here we go. Split the ice apart and break the frozen. Ice picks. Ice picks. Ice picks. Ice picks. Oh, time now for today's ice picks driven by Nissan. Now, this is, of course, a Don LaGreca staple. But Don, as sure. you know, Dan, I don't know if you know this. He's not here today. No. He's not here. But you know what? The lovely people of Nissan still need their ice pick. So I figured, why not? Let me take a stab at it. Um, it has not been a good season thus far for ice picks. I think we're on a nine-game losing streak. Last night, Don took the Sharks Wild under, which was six. Mm-hmm. And if you happen to glance at that score at any point last night, Dan, if you weren't engrossed in the Jet game, that game had three goals in the first ten minutes. Granted, it ended with, I think, six or seven. So, I mean, really, it wasn't that bad, but you really didn't have a good feeling about that that bet. So let, let me tell you what, what Don does, Dan. So Don doesn't go for, like, the, oh, Dallas Stars minus 335 mm-hmm. on the Caesar Sportsbook right now. He doesn't want to give that out to people. He wants to give them winners. So he always tries to go for value. So he's always looking for plus money. So I got to follow Don and follow in Don's footsteps here. And if I know Don and how he thinks, he would look towards the Edmonton-Vancouver game tonight at 9 Eastern time. Vancouver coming off a long game with not a whole lot of defense last night against the Kraken. The Oilers minus a goal and a half, plus 105. I think that's going to be our ice pick. So take Edmonton, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the crew against a disappointing to this point Vancouver Canucks team. It's minus goal and a half. Something about the hockey, though, because you that's just right. said it in passing about the, you know, you probably weren't aware or I wasn't aware of it mm-hmm. last night, of course, you know, with, with the Jet game. We were busy. 
No, we're very busy. And not, like, just to illustrate how unaware and oblivious I am to like other sports happenings outside of just that one jet game. Like, while we're, I mean, we're locked in. Like, we, we're especially at the stadium. We're extremely locked in for the home games. How many times did I ask you, like, what, what what's the Rangers score? Or like, it doesn't process. It doesn't absorb. Even though, no. like, I just pe- say it in passing, like, you know, what did the Rangers do? What did the Islanders do? It still doesn't like sink in until I'm like totally removed from that situation. Yeah, no, and and it took a while last night. But, uh, Dan, in case you still don't know what happened in that game, uh, first let me do this. That's today's Ice Picks driven by Nissan. Gift, okay. your, gift yourself what you've always wanted this holiday season at the Nissan Thrill of the Drive event. Shop at your local Nissan store or NissanUSA.com. Let's go back to last night because our good friend Don LaGreca was on the call in the third period of a 3-3 game, Rangers-Islanders at the Garden, when this happened. One for six. Center yeah. pass to Kako. They score! the five on five. It was Miller that finds Kako. It's 4-3 Rangers. I don't think I'm going out on a limb here when I say that the combination of Kenny Albert and Don LaGreca in the radio booth is the best booth that the NHL has to offer in the radio. I, I mean, are we even having a conversation here as to there's an exception to that? No, I don't think so. I just no, think it we, needs to be said. No, I, absolutely not. And by the way, give Kenny, our, our good buddy Kenny, who is a jack of all trades, as we know, exceptional job by Kenny on the call for the Sin City Miracle last Sunday with the Raiders and the Patriots. Yeah, there's a lot of steppage there, if I remember correctly, as well. Well, he coined okay. the Sin City Miracle. That's his call. Like, I mean, I mean, and he coined the phrase. So that is all Kenny. Like, he should copyright and trademark that thing. I heard after that, Dan, he went down. It was in Vegas, obviously. Um, yeah. he, he went down to the local high school, did a ping pong tournament as well. I thought you were going to say pickleball. No, he called that. Speaking of steppage, by the way, did you hear that in the beginning of this one, Dan? One for six. Center yeah. pass to Kako. He One for six. Center yeah. pass to Kako. Gotta love Dave Maloney. Dave got excited. Dave was, I mean, it's, look, it's Rangers, Islanders. And, I mean, you're a hockey aficionado, as in. Sure. <laughs> Isn't there something really wrong about December 22nd? Oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> and there's no more Ranger Islander games the rest of the year? Don has been a big proponent of this on his Game Misconduct podcast. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Um, the producer that puts it together is a hack, but Don does a great job. And Who, who puts that thing together? Uh, that'd be me. Yeah. And... He's been very upset with that. And if you've noticed, Greg Wyshynski's been putting out some stories, Dan, that the league is kicking around the idea of expanding, I think it's to 84 games next year. 84. In the effort to try and have more divisional games. Well, you wouldn't have to worry about that if you didn't change the schedule in the first place. But I digress. Well, the thing about that is that, you know what's ironic when I first saw that, and Greg does a great job. um, When I saw that, what's funny is, is that we live in this age now where you hear too many fans, media, hell, even players complain about there's too many games, less games, less games. The guys are too tired, low to management. They can't hack it, so on and so forth. Now they're talking about NHL adding games. That's something, isn't it? No, absolutely. And with that, of course, this is the most hockey we've done on the K-Show in about three months. There you go. I mean, it happened. It's a thing. And that is what happened. Now, I'm sure everybody's wondering, wait a minute. 5.45 passed, you guys didn't do the pro picks, the guys aren't here, who's making the picks? Did we get the picks? Yes. Yesterday, we got the picks in, checked the Hour 3 podcast from yesterday's K-Show, but in case you missed it, mm-hmm. I have the picks right here, Dan. You got the picks. I have the picks, and let's just say, did not get off to a great start, so you can obviously see where we're going here. Um, Michael, Peter, Don, all took the Jets. Aaron Boone took the Jets, minus two and a half. You know, somebody so else, you know somebody else who took the Jets? Uh, Rick DiPietro. 
You, you know somebody else who took the Jets? Who's that? Mm, exactly. Oh, boy. Great well, start on the Cover 5 uh, vehicle. Yeah. And, look, and download that Cover 5 app. You can win $100 if you, uh, a week if you have the uh, the top score in our um, I can't, though. Seven. It's not like I'm just No, we can't. I mean, we're doing it for fun. Yeah, but even if we did Austin do well. Situation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. No. Yeah. No, we, we, we just we just spent some time on that. So Michael's two-pointer gone. Peter's three-pointer gone. Don's three-pointer gone. Aaron Boone now nine and seven on a bit of a losing streak, Aaron. Um, taking a look at some of the other picks for the week. Uh, staying local, Michael takes Vikings minus four. No faith in the Giants. None. None with his three-point play. So that's, that's um, a statement out of Michael. Buccaneers minus seven and a half uh, against the Cardinals, which, Dan, you don't like that pick. Because I remember you talking off the air with me that you think that for some reason the Cardinals might find a way to win that game with Trace McSorley. No, no, no. I never said that. I thought you said they were going to keep it close. The Cardinals against the Bucks? Yeah. No, I think I was maybe talking about another. No, it's not your fault. We might have been talking about another game. Um, You said you had a weird feeling about a game, and I thought I heard Cardinals, which I thought was weird because it was Bucks cardinals with Trace McSorley at quarterback. So that, okay. So Or was it Chargers-Colts? Maybe that was the one? Chargers Colts, yeah, I think okay. the Colts are going to play a good game on Monday. Okay, night. Yeah. That, okay, so that's what it was. Yes. I got my I got my C teams mixed no, up. No, we were talking. You know, we were talking about we were talking about the Christmas Day slate of games and how it was awful. And I said the prime time game. That's right. Okay, because that was during our pre-show conversation. Uh, a great pre-show conversation with oh, the great quality. John Winthrop. Um, a triumvirate this uh, this week. Uh, to go through the rest really quickly, uh, Don has the Titans minus three as his two point play at home against the Texans. He also has the Steelers minus two and a half at home against the Raiders. That'll be um, a tough game because they were going to retire Franco Harris's jersey, of course, and and he sadly passed away this week. Um, so that's going to be an emotional day in Pittsburgh. Um, Peter Bengals Greg minus knew him well, by the way. Hmm. Greg knew him well. Oh yeah, he did. He did. I mean, know there him were, well. they were four, three or four years apart or whatever. Penn State, but he obviously, you know, the Penn State lineage. He knew him. And- oh yeah. Greg already spoke to the family. It's awful, wow. awful situation. No, so re- rest in peace to, to Franco Harris. Um, Bengals minus three. Peter's two point play. Browns minus two and a half. His one point play. That are your that's your pro picks for the K show. Um, and I really spent ten minutes on hockey and on our pro picks because I really don't want to get into why Dan and I are so tired today. And the reason that we're so tired is because the Jets, um, if not for the weather being so bad. Uh, they would be the worst thing that was on the field last night, but the weather was pretty terrible. It was um, awful. But the Jets just couldn't I, get it going last night. I seriously, I cannot commend enough the fans that toughed that out last night and sat in that weather. I mean, I know you went in with high hopes and it was a meaningful game, and you know the game didn't turn out as anybody wanted it. If you were a Jet supporter, but it is just, you know that was a funny thing. Like everybody thought, oh, it's warm, it's it's raining, but it's not that. Are you ki- every? It was. And the wind. I mean, anybody who's sitting there trying to convince you that it wasn't that bad. I mean, I, I don't know what planet you're on or what you consider to be acceptable acceptable weather conditions. Because last night was awful. Well, you you were out there with Greg. Me and uh, Ray Dinahan were in the nice, cozy confines of uh, of our studios here. But even when we left at, uh, at one o'clock in the morning, it was cold. It wasn't raining as hard um, in New York, but it was still raining. Um, it was not. It was not pleasant, and uh, I give uh, f- credit to any fan that sat through um, that game because it really just the offensive performance was not there. Zach Wilson struggled. Um, after the game, he was asked, what went wrong? You know, I just felt like uh, didn't have any rhythm out there, you know, just trying to find some confidence out there on the field and just, you know, just find something to get us going, a little spark, and couldn't get anything there, man, and, and 
you know, I had opportunities and I got to be able to connect on those. And uh, we're going to go back and watch it. And, you know, I'm sure coaches will detail it up and stuff for us. But, you know, right now the feeling is I just got to put my head down and just try and get better, you know, for these guys. And, you know, that's kind of my message to them out there is, you know, I'm trying to give them everything I got. I'm trying to lay it out there for you guys. And, and it's not good enough. And I got to put them in a better position. I will say this, Dan, we've certainly come a long way from Zach. Do you feel like you left let the offense uh, defense down, I should say? And he said no. Um, certainly a lot more contrite and an understanding of his role as one of the leaders of this team that if he does not play well, it really is on him and he needs to find a way to get better. It's not even just finding a way to get better. I mean, you, if you could sit here and say, well, the guy is even just like status quo and maybe he doesn't progress and doesn't get better, this is going in the opposite direction. And that's why I even brought it up to Mike Tannenbaum when we had him on. It's like the, year number two, like these things aren't supposed to happen. You shouldn't be going backwards. And that's what's troubling. Yeah, and obviously uh, we hear about this a lot on the post-game show, Dan, uh, the play calling, um, and Greg Buttle certainly feels a way about it. Um, Robert Sala the play calling. was actually asked about Mike LaFleur's play calling. It always starts with us as coaches, always. You know, you've got to be honest and truthful from a film study standpoint and in terms of giving our players the best chance to be successful. You know, are there things that I'm sure like all coaches, there's a lot of things that he wishes he could have back. There's a lot of things that he wishes he could have done differently. He talks about the goal to goal situation on the one in Minnesota, wishes he would have called the play that he ended up calling against Detroit to the CJ Uzama for the touchdown, you know? So it's like, of course, you're always, always going to look inward and, and try to figure out, am I doing everything I can to help my player be the best he can possibly be? And if you can look in the mirror and say, I've done everything, then you can at least go to sleep at night. But yeah, you know, the coaches are working their tails off. The players are working their tails off and we're in a little mini slump. But you know, I'm not sure if I answered your question there, Z, but they're working at it. So it's interesting because Greg always catches some flack from certain callers who at this point will remain nameless about when he says it's not about the play calling. Um, and even there, Sala admitted that LaFleur might have wanted that goal-to-go situation back um, where they had a chance to score a couple games ago. But, Dan, I, I'd have to agree in this instance, and Solid didn't say it's not LaFleur's fault, um, but I'll say it isn't because you pointed it out great. Uh, Chris Strebler really wasn't running the offense last night. It was kind of backyard football. Right. But Mike White, Josh Johnson, uh, Joe Flacco earlier in the season did manage to win a game in this offense, and for some reason— the offense seems to run better when any other quarterback but Zach is out there. And by the way, the most concerning plays to me, having just like you watched every one of these games the Jets have played this season, is those crossing routes across the middle of the field where nobody is around the wide receiver and Zach misses Garrett Wilson and Zach misses Elijah Moore, where there's not really a lot of pressure on him and it's just as simple as going back into the pocket with his mechanics making sure he times it right and throws exactly where he needs to throw it, that's where he's struggling. Is that Mike LaFleur's play calling? Because Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore in those instances, Corey Davis, they're wide open. So that's not really on Mike LaFleur's call, is it? I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that Joe Flacco's the answer. I'm not. Not about play calling either. No, and he's close to 40 years old. But remember, Joe Flacco played three games this year at the beginning of the season, started three games. He averaged about 225 yards passing in all three of those games. He threw five touchdown passes. And this is in three games, right? Five touchdowns, 225 yards passing. Zach Wilson's played nine games, Anthony. He only has one more touchdown pass than Joe Flacco, and he's averaging 
a hair under 188 yards through the air. So you want to get on Mike LaFleur for some things? Be my guest. Nobody's perfect. But to sit here and say that because Zach Wilson is struggling, it all falls on Mike LaFleur's shoulders, the way he's calling the game, the way they're developing a quarterback. You can't say that that's 100% indisputably true when you look at other quarterbacks on this roster and who have been on this roster for the last two years and have actually gone out there and had success in this offense. Why can they do it, right? I mean, I rest my case. It's just it's just that one thing for Zach that's missing right now, whether it's the timing of things or just his confidence. Robert Sala talked about that a lot yesterday and today, saying that Zach really does have to regain his confidence. And you could see it. I mean, look, fans were on him early. And I'm not saying that fans shouldn't be upset, but, man, it's got to be tough, especially in those conditions. You want to see some points. You want to see your offense move a little bit. And to go backwards after the Quinn and Williams fumble, where you were at your own 17, was it, Dan? Or was it 16. Your, 16. Yeah. And you actually moved backwards. Yeah. And had minus. to settle for a field goal there. That's tough. And after that, it, it, there really wasn't, other than that first uh, Strevler drive, there really wasn't another chance for them, um, which is frustrating. And... Rob Ninkovich was on KJM earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. He thinks that uh, this is it for Zach in New York. I think that game last night puts him somewhere else. There's a point where you start to lose respect with your teammates, with the coaching staff, with the organization, based on many factors. And at the end of the day, you know, football is a very, uh, it's a weird climate in the locker room. Everything that you do is about respect. And and how do you earn the respect? You just got to perform. Like, you just have to go and be good and People start to follow. People start to respect. And, and I think that it's bad. It's really bad. And I don't know if he's lost his confidence. I don't know if that's like just shot and he can't go out there and play fast and play quick and make right decisions and do everything that you wanted to see from your quarterback. So what I saw last night, when they brought in a guy that I was like, who is this dude? Yeah. I, I didn't even know who they brought in. <laughs> like, you know that's bad. Look, I'm not in the locker room. I can't say, oh, well, clearly this, this team hates Zach Will. I don't know that. And, and I don't think anybody other than the people in that locker room can know that. Um, but it is glaring how different this team looks when Zach is at quarterback than any other quarterback, not only just on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball, special teams, whatever the case may be. And Robert Sala was asked last night, why does this team not play with the same energy with Zach? I don't know if it's the same energy. I just I don't, I don't, I don't have an answer for that one. And I play that because... What did he tell us there? He didn't tell us a lot, but I don't even think Robert Sala can say why that is. So, if you don't know why this is happening, and yes, he's your se- he's your second overall pick, mm-hmm. he's supposed to be your franchise quarterback, there's a big decision that this organization has to make in the offseason. Herm Edwards kind of talked about that a little bit on Greeny. I think there's a lot of layers to this. It's easy for us as analysts and people that host radio shows and podcasts and the fan base to say that's it. But I think at the end of the season, Coach will have to sit down with the GM and the owner. And going forward, ask yourself this question. We have this fabulous defense that is a playoff defense. We have some pieces on offense in which we could add to. But unless you have the quarterback going forward, you're not going to find yourself in a good way in this division. And with that being said, where is Zach Wilson? What are we going to do with Zach Wilson? I don't know if Mike White is their quarterback of the future. I doubt that. And if that is the case, then they got a couple options. One being, do we go out and get a veteran quarterback? Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo. Someone of that nature. Do we bring him in and say, 
we're going to do like the Rams and make a run at it with a veteran quarterback, or do we cut our losses and move on from Zach Wilson? I don't know if that's the case. It'll be an interesting conversation with those three folks, head coach, GM, and the general manager. That's interesting, Dan, because DPH and Rothenberg played a game this morning, and that's the last time you'll hear them from 5 to 8, because on January 3rd, 6 to 10, morning show, 98.7 ESPN, the boys will be rested, they'll be ready to go. Dave kept asking Rick, mm-hmm. Rick, if X quarterback was on the Jets this year, how many wins would they have? I, I think he went with Gardner Minshew mm-hmm. and Daniel Jones and a bunch of other guys. I know Jimmy G's hurt right now, but I'd venture to guess that if Jimmy G was the quarterback of this Jet team, I think we wouldn't be worrying about their chances at the playoffs because I think they probably would have won a couple of those games that didn't go their way when the offense was just anemic. Well, I'll repeat what I just got done saying a little while ago. If Mike White doesn't get hurt, I don't think we're sitting here talking about a Jets team that's not going to the playoffs. And that's a quarterback that Herm Edwards doesn't even believe could be the franchise guy. So you really just need average quarterback play for this team, the way that their defense is. The way the at least the way the defense was for the majority of the season, right? And even like I said, I mean, the last couple of games, you know, they've given up a lot of yards, long drives, that sort of thing. But they still, it's bend but don't break. They've given up threes instead of sevens, and they've allowed their offense the opportunity to go out there and score twenty-one points. You win the games, you know, that should be good enough. And you know, when you have a running game that's a little bit capable, you know, next year you get Brees Hall back, Elijah Vera Tucker, that sort of thing. Yeah, I don't think you need Patrick Mahomes or you know Hall of Fame quarterback play to be able to have this team be a successful one and one that could compete for the playoffs. Let, let, let me just say one other thing too, just to you know, because we've been talking about this a lot, and you know, just to kind of set the record straight about Zach Wilson and how he's perceived in that locker room. You know, like I think. I don't know if it was somebody, one of the cuts that you played there or, or one of the callers or somebody used the hate word. The yeah, guys Ninkovich, lo- I think, said it. Ninkovich said, Ninkovich, Ninkovich yeah. said, I don't know if they if the guys hate him or whatever. Right. They, they don't. Okay, I, I just want to set the record straight. Okay, and you know this. Okay, I, I, I'm, I, I know folks in that room. I'm pretty tight with a lot of guys. In that. I'm, I'm around the team a lot. Okay, I, I have relationships with a lot of guys. They don't hate Zach Wilson. Okay. And I've even gone so far as to ask in private, you know, like private off the record conversations with these guys. I, I said it point blank. Is he a bad guy? That was my that was my terminology. Is he a bad guy? And they said, no, he's not a bad guy. OK, so all this stuff about, you know, his character and so on and so forth. Like, I don't know where that's coming from because I have it on good authority. He's not a bad guy. But what you do off the field and then how you go out there and play on the field, those are two different discussions. And you know what? Even if you have somebody who's the biggest jerk in the world and maybe somebody that the room doesn't like, if he goes out there and gets the job done on game day, that's really all that matters, right? Absolutely. If you have somebody who's still young, trying to figure things out, and then he's not carrying his weight during the game, that's where all the drama and all these problems start to mount. And I think that's what you've seen kind of come to a head now with the Jets as far as the quarterback. And, oh, by the way, they turn the reins over to a guy who's extremely popular in the room. And, oh, by the way, plays pretty good when given the chance on Sundays. And now he's hurt. You know, I I think all you have to look further than, Anthony, is simply about what Zach Wilson's future is. And this, as I said earlier in the show, he's been benched now twice in the span of a month. If that doesn't tell you what the confidence is from the coaching staff in regards to the player, 
I don't know why we have to dig any sort of deeper to get to the bottom of the story, right? I mean, that should tell you all you need to know. And now we await. We see uh, Robert Sala earlier today said there is no timeline for Mike White right now. They don't have any of the medicals back to be able to say if he'd be cleared for next week. So we will see. We will see if he's the quarterback, if Zach Wilson is the quarterback. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. We have a game that is going on this weekend that affects a local team, and that's the Giants. They take on the Vikings in Minnesota on Christmas Eve. So somebody asked Brian Dayball, are you going to be able to enjoy Christmas after this game? Are you going to give yourself enough time to enjoy Christmas on Sunday? Uh, ask me that after the game. <laughs> very fu- very football coach answer. It's true. Very. Fu- I mean, look, but to your point earlier, Dan, this isn't a game that they – but Brian Dayball can't say that. This isn't a game they have to have. No. But, of course, you want to win it. Because there's a very real possibility Justin Jefferson could have 200 yards against this giant secondary this week. Hundred <laughs> so. percent. You never, and you don't want to. You don't want to leave anything to chance because it is the NFL. Anybody can beat anybody on any given day, as we've discussed. Look, if you're the Giants, win one more game. Win one more game, you get to nine. I think you got a better than good chance of getting into the playoffs as is. So you want to take care of it in Minnesota? More power to you. And I look. I think if they take the air out of the ball, keep that offense of Minnesota off the field. I think they got a good shot here on Sunday. I really do. I do too, and and the Colt game only enhanced that thought for me. Um, I didn't really buy into the Vikings all that much, and I know they just came back from the biggest comeback in NFL history, but to be down that much to a Colt team that looks like that more often than not um, leads me to believe that if the Giants play a clean game, there's a chance they can keep it close, and if they keep it close, you never know. Um, Dan, we're going to do something we don't do a lot on the case. I love baseball. Let's talk some baseball, Ooh. shall we? Wow. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you know Michael Conforto, former Met. Sure. Had some injury problems this year, was out for the whole season, uh, repairing a shoulder injury, I believe. He of the um, bum shoulder, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, well, he has a deal with the New York Giants. Two years, $36 million. San Francisco Giants. That's right. Not the New York Giants. San Fr- York, he could play, I mean, the New York Giants. Well, look, he could, he could, if, could he play wide receiver? Maybe. He could. Uh, maybe not with the shoulder, though. The 29-year-old outfielder became a free agent last offseason after turning down the $18.4 million qualifying offer from the Mets, so really didn't make much more money than he thought he would. Um, and, of course, the Giants reeling after not being able to acquire Carlos Correa. Um, assuming Michael Conforto's medicals look good, hint, hint, um, that's a signing for the Giants. So Michael Conforto gets another shot. What kind of an offseason, I mean, like, how do you term, like, what kind of an offseason this has been for the Giants? Right? You For five minutes, you thought you had Aaron Judge. Arson Judge. Arson Judge. And then for a few days, you thought you had Carlos Correa. You have neither one of those guys, and you sign Michael Conforto, and that's the guy that's going to be, like, on the cover of your media guide is your big, like, prize free agent acquisition. Well, a look, guy who hasn't played in over a year. I'm sure Giants fans would be disappointed or are disappointed. But it's not like their owner didn't try and spend money. Um, Judge went elsewhere. And with Correa, they didn't feel comfortable giving him this deal based on his medicals. Now, that could come back to bite them. And Carlos Correa could be completely healthy during his time with the Mets. Or, if Carlos Correa gets injured, then will Giants fans go back and say, Oh, thank God we didn't make that signing. But you're never going to know. 
Well, no. Right now, I think the immediate reaction, if you're a Giant fan, is you're probably saying, well, why is Carlos Correa's physical and medical is not good enough for our doctor, but it's good enough for Steve Cohen and the Mets? Right? Like, that. that's the question I'm asking now. Now, to your point, right, if Carlos Correa's broken down and he can't play much over the next five, six years and he's always injured, then you could say, woulda, coulda, shoulda, we got this one right. But at least on the surface right now, I'm sitting there scratching my head, how does he fail our physical? And then literally five minutes later, Steve Cohen's giving him $315 million. Because Steve Cohen has a lot of money, Dan. He has a lot of money. He has he a lot money. of money. Yeah, he does. Um, something that affects the Yankees happened today as well. Uh, Jeff Passan reporting um, that the Toronto Blue Jays and the Arizona Diamondbacks are finalizing a trade that will send outfielder Dalton Varsho, I think that's I'm saying it right, to Toronto. Yep. The top-catching prospect Gabriel Moreno and outfielder Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Now, of course, because a trade happened within the AL East, Yankee fans are now going to set Twitter on fire because Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner were not in on this deal. How could you not do this? Well, Dan, let me ask you this. Yes, sir. They, the Blue Jays had to give up their top catching prospect mm-hmm. and a decent outfielder in Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in order to acquire Dalton Varsho. Mm-hmm. If the Yankees weren't willing to part with Anthony Volpe or Peraza or Dominguez for Luis Castillo so that they can get Frankie Montas, and we all know how yeah. that turned out, what makes you think that they would go after a guy like Dalton Varsho and give up their top prospect? They wouldn't do that. You know, it's they're operating from a position of strength, at least Toronto was. Toronto's got catchers. They got Danny Jansen. They got Alejandro Kirk already there. So they're set at the catching position, and there was always this thought that maybe a guy like Gabby Moreno was going to be expendable just because of the pipeline of catchers they had in the system there in Toronto. That's number one. Number two, Arizona, they're also operating from a position of strength here. They need help in the catching department. Also, you're talking about a guy – or an organization that has a glut of young, talented outfielders, which they think are going to be good enough to help. Remember, they made the trade for Lourdes Gurriel Jr. earlier this offseason from Toronto. Okay, so they've done business already. That's a quality bat. Corbin Carroll is a youngster who was like one of the top picks in the uh, draft a couple of years ago. He got a cup of coffee in his call-up to the major leagues last year. So they have all these young outfielders in the pipeline. They also traded for... Kyle Lewis from the Seattle Mariners, who was the rookie of the year just a couple of years ago in the American League, who almost has been forgotten about because he's been dealing with injuries. So it's kind of like strength helps a strength, if you will. That's what they always say a good trade is supposed to be, like one it helps both sides. That's what I think this was. Nothing more, nothing less. You just told me Kyle Lewis won the rookie of the year a couple of years ago. He did. And then remember, <laughs> the prized outfield of the Mariners was supposed to be Kyle Lewis, who was there first. And then Jared Kelnick that and our well, buddy huh? Julio and Julio Rodriguez. And now, like, Kyle Lewis is somewhere else. Julio Rodriguez has become the face of the franchise and the star. And Jared Kelnick is kind of just like, well, we don't know what his future is going to well, be. Well, the like J-Rod that. thing worked out for them, at least for now. But, I mean, yep. that, that kid looks like he's going to be special. Um, here's one more thing I'll say. I know that we're, we're a little over, and I always yell at the guys for the clock. And, I, and here I am. Destroying clock the clock. integrity. Um, but here's the here's the thing. So everybody is is happy. You've talked about it, Dan. The Yankee rotation, fantastic with Rodon. It could be one of the best in baseball. Uh, obviously, getting Judge back, re-signing Rizzo. Everyone's talking about left field, left field. You got to have be- something better at left field. You can't have Aaron Hicks in left field. Am I crazy to think, as a Yankee fan, that I would be okay with Oswaldo Cabrera playing left to start the season? Is that is that something? Am I crazy to think that that's an okay thing for the Yankees to do? I don't think that you're insane. 
I really and truly don't. Because if you look at the Yankee team and the way that the roster is constructed right now, you're not going to be looking at left field as an absolute must, which is going to make or break whether or not you win baseball games. Right? And he can hit. He can hit. He he can hit. He's already played a few games out there. I know it's not extensive, but he's got a few games. And I'm going to tell you something else. A guy who's going to have to play the field a little bit this year, and I know that it's been discussed so far in the offseason, and it's something that he actually enjoys doing, is none other than our buddy Giancarlo Stanton. His numbers prove that out too, Dan. His numbers are better when he's in the field. Exactly. You know why? Because he said he actually feels engaged, that he's more in the game. You know, it helps both ways, whether it's in the batter's box. You know, DHing is a tough job. You know, when the team is in the field, you're not even really paying attention. You're down in the cage. You're working on your swing. You're looking at video. You're not maybe engrossed in the game. You're kind of like a hired gun that they send up there once every few innings to get in that bat. And that's really it. I have no problem with Stanton being out in the field on, uh, on occasion. No, me either. So, look, I know that Yankee fans will be upset if they don't get an outfielder. In my opinion, um, I'm not saying that the roster's perfect by any stretch of the imagination. If they can get rid of the Donaldson and Hicks contract somehow, that would be great. But, hey, still a long, long offseason to go. That'll do it for ENN. Yeah. On this Friday, Christmas Eve. Eve. Eve, Eve. That's right.